You're listening to Nearly Numinous, a podcast all about the religious side of life. Every week we chat about different religions, spiritualities, and other beliefs. We do roundtable discussions, deep dives into histories and religious studies theories, and interview different religious leaders or practitioners. For full transcripts and more information on each episode, you can find us at nearlynuminous.ca. Welcome to Nearly Numinous. I'm Rachel and I'm joined by Steph today. We're going to be talking about coexist and other examples of co-opted religious symbols. We thought it was worth having a discussion about because of the different ways in which religion, religious messages, and particularly symbols can sometimes be co-opted, adopted, or appropriated for different purposes, often for negative reasons, which we're going to go into later. And we're going to talk a bit about whether we think co-option can completely change the original meaning of certain religious symbols in the cultural lexicon, and if some of these symbols that are now associated with hate groups can be redeemed and restored to their original meaning. members of a religious group as they are often found on the doors of gathering places on clothing or jewelry or in other more discreet places. The nature of the symbol has been both esoteric and exoteric because it can often signify tight-knit communities with their own history, but it can also be a very public declaration of that community. So for example, the Ichthys, or more commonly known as the Jesus fish, is a symbol that was adopted by early Christians as a secret symbol starting in roughly the 2nd century. At the time, Christians were heavily persecuted by the Roman Empire, so the fish symbol would be placed on meeting places, tombs, or on homes to distinguish those that were part of the Christian communities. It signified a safe haven for those that practiced Christianity if they ever needed help or if they were looking for other members of their community. Typically, the symbols themselves represent some sort of key concept of the religion in a visual way, so oftentimes this is related to myth or allegory, but it can also be related directly to a philosophy. For instance, the cross isn't only a symbol of Jesus' death on the cross, but others have also claimed it's a symbol of the divine link between heaven and earth and how because of its T-shape. The top reaches to the heavens, the horizontal line is earth, and the bottom part of the T is hell. There's also the Hindu swastika, which shouldn't be confused with the Nazi swastika, which angles the symbol to the right, but the Hindu origins of it shows that the swastika is a symbol of divinity and spirituality. It can mainly be found in Hinduism, but it's also been seen in Buddhism and Jainism. Whether it's facing to the right or the left, the symbol means two different things. To the right symbolizes the sun and means prosperity and good luck, whereas the left-facing symbol is for the night or the tantric aspects of Kali. However, not all symbols are directly tied to myth or philosophy. The Muslim crescent, for example, doesn't seem to have direct links to any Islamic theologies. 
It's simply a symbol that was used by the Ottoman Empire and has since shown up on many Islamic buildings and is now used on many flags to signify their Islamic or even Ottoman Empire origins. So we first started talking about this idea when Steph came across an article about the coexist image that's often made into bumper stickers for cars. So the bumper sticker features the word coexist, but with each letter being represented by a different symbol, such as the Islamic crescent moon for the C, the Om symbol for the E, and so on and so on. Yeah, so I first came across this um, because... I don't know if you're familiar with The Hard Times. It's like a satirical ha- yeah. punk. Yeah. Um, kind of anarchist, like, but it's satirical news. Um, mm-hmm. And they posted an article back probably like a month or so ago now about, they, it was titled Massive Recall Issued for Ineffective Coexist Bumper Stickers. Um, I thought that was, was, I got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> um, so... Because I just, I'm a weirdo. So, like, I hear things like this that I'm like, huh, I wonder where the coexist bumper sticker came from. (laughs) So, I did a deep dive, jumped into the rabbit hole, trying to figure out the whole history behind this, like, coexist bumper sticker. So, it turns out it actually does have, like, a bit of a strange history. So, the original image was created by Polish graphic designer... I'm going to butcher his name. I'm so sorry. There's too many consonants and I don't know how they all flow together. But I think, so his name's Piotr, like Peter, but Piotr. Yeah, I think that was the first, the first word's okay so far. Okay. The second word's the questionable one for me. Mladozeniak. Mladozeniak, I think. Sorry, Piotr, if we, uh, butchered your name Please yeah don't sue us. I'm, I'm so sorry uh anyway so mladog zeniek i'm gonna say his name so many times too and every single time it's gonna sound like garbage i'm so sorry but mlodo zeniek uh designed this for an international art competition in 2000 sponsored by the museum on the scene for dialogue understanding and coexistence And the symbol, along with other entries, uh, were displayed as large outdoor posters in Jerusalem in 2001. So the original design is slightly different than what you may have seen on the bumper stickers that you'll see like on cars around. Uh, I've seen them a lot in Canada, maybe a little bit in the US. I don't know if it's like an international thing or not, but the design originally had the word coexist in all caps, but replaced the C with the Islamic crescent moon. The X is replaced by the Star of David, and the T is replaced by the Christian cross. Uh, The one you'll see on bumper stickers has a few more symbols kind of mixed into that as well. The competition that Mlodo Zeniak entered had the theme Coexist, and it boasted a high prize for whoever won. So the artist entered with his piece because he was hoping to reimagine the lettering of the word Coexist. So Mlodo Zeniak was originally like a graphic designer, so... That's why he kind of did this kind of lettering project um, Mm -hmm. because that's more of a thing for graphic designers, I think. Yeah. So fast forward five years and Mlodo Zeniak received a letter from a company in the U.S. asking to formally claim the Coexist logo so that they could sue other companies that were using it. So it was kind of funny. Like, hey, we would like to use your logo so that we can make sure that no other companies use your logo, uh, even though we didn't ask permission for it in the first place. 
It's like a little bold. <laughs> and a little against the idea of coexist, too. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this company, Coexist, was a lifestyle brand, and they had made some minor changes to the logo that Mleta Zeniak designed and trademarked it as their own. Uh, the artist didn't even realize that this company had co-opted his logo until this letter. So it's like, again, a little bold. <laughs> Pretty ballsy to uh, just take an artist's idea and then years later, after making money off it, be like, mm, I would like to own it now, please. Yeah, right? Just so I can sue somebody because they're also using it without anybody's permission. Like, come on. It's a little bit on the oh, nose. Man. Yeah. So anyway, uh, once Mlodozeniak realized this, he used his own lawyers to ensure that no other brand could formally trademark his logo anymore. So like he actually took it into his own hands being like, no. <laughs> yeah, good for him. So, yeah. So this company, uh, Coexist Company, wasn't the only ones using it. So most famously, Bono had seen it graffitied in Chicago, and he ended up turning it into the focal point for the U2's twenty, for U2's two thousand and five tour, uh, which included placing it on all of their branded merch. So like they were selling this logo more or less, um, which is very Bono esque. Like <laughs> we're gonna save the world, coexist, buy my merch. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. But since all of this happened, basically, like, the logo has become most famous for appearing on the bumper stickers. So, like, that's kind of the one you'll see all over the place. Um, like, U2 was pretty big, but I think, like, at least for our generation anyway, like, we don't care about Bono. Um, at least I don't care about Bono. So, I only know I don't this from so much. Stickers. And, you know, I also still haven't forgiven him for that time he put his music on my iPod through iTunes. Do you remember that happening? Yeah, it's very funny because, like, I can see why people thought that that would be, like, the best marketing thing yeah. ever. And it ended up just, It backfired like, so much. It backfired so bad. Yeah, no, I've never listened to YouTube, mostly because of that. <laughs> just spite. Just out of spite, yeah. But... Um, as I already mentioned earlier, the logo has kind of shifted since its original iteration. Um, so now you'll find like a, a mixture of different symbols. And I've seen like a couple of different options. Uh, so now they've tried to include symbols like across religious traditions. So it's not just the Abrahamic religions. Um, so, you know, it's uh, a good idea. You can uh, you can get a lot of um, what's the word? You can get different interpretations of the idea too. Like uh, I'm pretty sure I saw a, a sort of coexist idea. I don't think coexist was the word, but it was for like gun owners. So I'm actually gonna look that up because I wish that, that our was listeners really could see my face me. right now. <laughs> My eyes just went huge, and like I think veins popped out of my forehead. Let's screenshot it. You know that meme of the kid like super stressed out with like the veins popping out of his forehead. (laughs) Yes, kind of like what my face just looked like. Okay, yeah, I will. uh, I am not on Facebook right now, but I'll pop this in the chat later. Oh man. 
All right. So I think, I mean, this is a good example, but there's so many other examples of when religious symbols have kind of been taken out of the context. So obviously coexist also was co-opting other religious symbols, um, but even then it was co-opted after that. So um, it's gone from being, you know, like the Jesus fish, for example, has gone from being like this symbol of like esotericism to now being this like widespread people have like jesus fish rings and they put it on their cars uh i've seen different iterations of it as well where there's like text in the middle or people Mm -hmm. also mock it obviously um everybody likes to mock religious symbols which we'll get into but i think these are just some examples and we have like tons more so we're gonna maybe talk about a few of them um unfortunately we had a hard time finding like when religious symbols were co-opted for good uh they're mostly um like really dangerous fascist groups that like to take religious symbols out of context yeah Yeah, um should we start with the most obvious (laughs) yeah the one i mentioned before the swastika um it's like it's from a bunch of different religions and like it's a religious cultural symbol uh a really old one but then you know it was co-opted by the nazi party and is an extremely recognizable symbol now not for you know its original divine supposedly like good reasons but you know for really really bad reasons now yeah, I, d- I also remember, um, I don't remember if this was like a a true story or if it was just like a made-up case study, but in my undergrad, I took a business ethics course, and one of the examples that we had to talk about was um, someone who was Hindu had a swastika displayed in their office, and somebody who was Jewish asked them to take it down, and, you know, we were just discussing, like, the ethics behind, like, what would you do in this situation, right? And... Mm-hmm. It's, it's the worst that that even has to be a discussion, right? Like, yeah. from both sides of it, you know, obviously. Um, you know, obviously, if something triggers you because of extreme genocide, like, yes, you shouldn't have to experience that every single day. But it also sucks that the Hindu symbol has now been co-opted to mean this. So it's like, what do you do, right? Yeah, it's just like a no-win situation. And yeah. then another one we thought of was the uh, the Christian cross, specifically, like, a burning cross, which has been co-opted by the KKK, which isn't, I guess, I mean, the cross not so much associated with the KKK, um, but specifically the burning cross. You see a lot of imagery surrounding them and that. Do you know why they picked a burning cross? It seems kind of weird to me because I thought the KKK was supposed to be like a Christian organization. So it would seem kind of weird to burn the cross. So it predates the clan's inception. um, But, you know, in modern times, it's associated with the KKK. But apparently they... uh, burned crosses on like hillsides as a way to intimidate and threaten black americans and other people of color at least according to this so i guess like the fire symbolism wasn't so much of a deal it was more just like 
it was supposed to be like a scary image which it is fair it's very scary um it's extra scary because you know it's associated with the kkk yeah yeah sorry i just wanted to move my chair uh, (laughs) that's okay (laughs) i don't know what else to say about it i wonder if part of it just had to do with the fact that like typically you see crosses on hills so i wonder if um part of it was just that that was what was there and so they burned it i don't know um any kkk members listening to our podcast right now and want to tell us why you like to burn crosses and be the worst write in and then uh we'll uh report you somebody yeah don't say the last bit yeah All right, so I think there's another, like, group of symbols that have been co-opted, and we've kind of talked, um, I think Jacqueline, I I wish Jacqueline was here for this episode because she would know a little bit more, but there are symbols that have been kind of co-opted as being, like, the pre, like, the quote-unquote, like, authentic pre-Christian religions, like, which have kind of turned into, like, what's been referred to as white culture. So it's things like Norse mythology um as well as celtic symbols um so like those two things primarily so you see a lot of stuff that like was part of norse mythology or like the typical um celtic crosses that you often see i've got one on my finger right now kind of (laughs) i mean it's like celtic not um but you see a lot of that now being co-opted by these far right groups because they, they see it as being some sort of like authentic pre-Christian white culture nonsense. Um, I'm calling it nonsense, not because the actual culture is nonsense. I'm calling it nonsense because they feel the need to call it white culture. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting because Again, if you want to listen back, we've done two episodes on Celtic mythology now um, because that's that's Jacqueline's mm-hmm. area of expertise. And we talked about it a little bit in this kind of idea that a lot of people are moving away from Christianity, um, like far right groups are seem to be moving away from Christianity. However, they still seem to use Christianity when it's like helpful for them, um, which is yeah. frustrating. But because um, a lot of them aren't really Christians anymore, they're trying to like find some other sort of belief system or symbolism or quote unquote white culture that they can now use. Um, so you see a lot of those symbols being co-opted. Yeah, like um, the Celtic cross, uh, Thor's hammer, um, uh, like soldiers of Odin and sons of Odin like different gods have been kind of adopted by different groups one of the people who stormed the u.s capitol you might recognize him he was like he was bare-chested he had a lot of tattoos and then he had like this weird head dress on i think it had like horns and fur and all that um he has like this huge yeah so he has this huge tattoo of thor's hammer on him um, and, uh, what appears to be, um, the Norse world tree. So, like, he's obviously, um, very into 
this Norse mythology, this idea of like Vikings and um, I'm guessing white culture, like we talked about. And he was um, he was a member of QAnon, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I think he like claimed to be the QAnon leader or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, this article that I'm looking at right now is saying like, these symbols are used by a lot of white supremacists as a coded message of their belief in violent struggle. So like, specifically like the idea of violence and warriors and fighting, uh, that you might see in like Norse and Viking mythology is mm-hmm. really important and you often see to in, a like, lot of these whites. Yeah, and you also see it a lot in like Celtic mythology, like pre-Christian Celtic mythology as well. Yeah. Like, especially with the Highlanders and, like, I mean, we've all yeah. seen Braveheart. <laughs> I was going to do an impression, but I can't. Never mind. <laughs> oh, it's too bad. <laughs> I would have loved to hear that. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, um, okay, I, I don't know if this is, like, a side tangent, but do you have an opinion? Uh, you can also just not care, but... What like do you have an opinion on Thor as a Marvel superhero? Because like um, they've clearly taken that mythology and turned it now into like a superhero. In like, I always a- thought it was a bit weird, um, especially him being like, I don't know, he's like a god, but it's also kind of like an alien sort of thing, right? Like, I don't know. It's very strange, and the movies weren't that great anyway. So, uh, it's it's <gasps> what I'm sorry. No, I really like Ragnarok, but they were um... so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge Marvel fan. I really like Marvel too, but um, probably not as much as you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I I I think it's kind of a weird choice, at least to keep him in the movies. Uh, or to introduce him in the movies but what do you think I don't know I think it's kind of weird like it seems strange to like pull someone from mythology to turn into a superhero but when you think about it like that's kind of just what they do um yeah it's interesting though because like when you think about um I know this is like not Marvel but it's like Superman even like that seems like a very, like, mythological character that they've now turned into a superhero, but it was completely crafted. Like, I don't think that there's actually a real mythology around yeah. super- Superman. Um, so I think they do this, like, with a ton of different characters. I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that kind of, like, comes from mythology. But I can't think, like, outside of Thor and, like, his... Because obviously, like, all of the characters yeah. in Thor have, like, some sort of link. Um, but, like, yeah, you know, Thor, Captain America... I mean, Captain America comes out of, like, yeah. American mythology, um, if you yeah. want to get into that. Uh, <laughs> like, the great American dream and, you know, a hero to save them all. But um, otherwise, like, Spider-Man, not really. Like, it's all very, like, sci-fi-y rather than, like, Thor, yeah. which is, like, myth. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I think it's kind of weird that they brought him into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, at least, because up until that point, it was pretty, 
it was pretty like sci sci-fi yeah uh emphasis on the sci so it was uh pretty interesting that they included thor but you know i yeah yeah i don't know i just i thought i'd ask that question because i was curious um listeners if any of you have something to say about it feel free to like send us a message or comment on our facebook or something because like i don't know it just seems like such a weird weird blip in the marvel universe um as much as i love thor's character it's just kind of i don't know weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) do we know any other marvel super fans that we can invite on the show and we can do an episode on superheroes Uh, probably i know quite a few people that are super into marvel yeah, that would be cool. Let's let's get into superheroes. I'll I'll find someone. I would love to. Okay. <laughs> Yay. All right, we should get back to our conversation um, though. <laughs> probably. Okay, I find like we were a little bit better about like sticking to a script, following the topics, and like the past like month it's just been like, "Oh, quick side tangent about this random <laughs> subject. I hope our listeners don't mind." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> sorry about it you'll just have to go with it (laughs) um so there's also like if we move on um like we've kind of talked about like people using religious symbols and co-opting it almost for their own community significance so like we've got the swastika being co-opted for to show like oh these are the nazis um I made that sound super casual. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, It's not casual. Um, I just don't know how to like say that and skim over it quickly to get to my actual point without making it sound less casual. But anyway, (laughs) then we also have, um, you know, like the burning cross uh, or the like Celtic mythology symbols, things like that. They're all being used to show people as being part of a group. But there's also kind of another end of this where the symbols aren't necessarily being changed. So they're not being taken out of their original meaning in order to like symbolize a different thing. But there's the symbols that are kind of taken out of context to be sold. So the philosophy, the ideology is still there. Uh, You still associate it with maybe its original meaning but now you've taken it out of that and put it into your own life and like co-opted it for your own personal use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some yeah, examples so, of that? I mean, the first one that comes to mind is like a dream catcher. You see them everywhere. Um, they're kind of like, they still have, like you said, a little bit of that, the original idea, original, as far as I know, maybe dream catchers aren't for, um, what are dream catchers for? I'm not sure. When I was a kid, it was cultures. pretty and I wanted it above my bed. Now as an adult, I'm like, I don't know anything about this. Maybe I shouldn't have it in my bedroom randomly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind immediately is like a dream catcher. You, uh, you see them everywhere. Um, they still kind of have... a a little bit of that the original idea of like protection that is it's still attached to them but they're also kind of removed from the original cultures they're associated with 
specifically to sell to people, you know, to have something pretty to like, you know, give to kids to make sure they feel safe at night, um, just to like have hanging in your car or in your room. I mean, yeah, like I as a kid had dream catchers and I didn't associate them necessarily with like indigenous groups. Um, they were just were, you know, a thing that you could buy everywhere and they, you know, stopped bad dreams. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I, I, I still, um, like recognized it was something from indigenous culture. Um, but that was kind of where it stopped. Cause like back in 2005, when I would have had, or, uh, even earlier than that, maybe like 2000, when I would have had these dream catchers, they would be in just in stores and it would be in like the section with like little wooden carving totem poles and moccasins. And you'd be like, Oh cool. I'm unique. Um, <laughs> and then you yeah. slowly realize that you were not. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. we're starting to get away from some of the, these co-options, but there's even things like um, the Ohm symbol is another one that we see a lot of. And I think that one is still kind of in its heyday of uh, consumer co-option I guess yeah for sure um, especially with like the massive rise of yoga um, over the last like couple of decades because um, I like that's not going anywhere anytime soon I don't think because like yoga in it, of itself I think I mean there's there's arguments that it's co-option and appropriation um, that's a very complex debate that we would need multiple people's opinions on before I make a stance on it but yeah it's still something that you know like at its core like it's just if you take away all the like philosophy of it, it's just stretching, um, <laughs> which, oh my gosh, yo- people who yeah. like yoga, when I say that, they're like, what? I'm like, okay, come on. <laughs> you know, like if you take the <laughs> philosophy out of it, it's just stretching. And I'm not saying that, you know, when you put the philosophy back into it, it's a whole different thing, but you know, <laughs> so I don't think like the idea of yoga is going anywhere anytime soon. I could see it kind of shifting, but again, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's complex there. But yeah, that one you still like. I got it. I bought a yoga mat the other day, like, I because I just moved and I didn't have space to bring all my things, so I went and got a yoga mat, and it has like just a giant ohm symbol on it, and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I just got it at Walmart. I mean, like Walmart yeah. is selling a yoga mat with an ohm symbol on it, but I'm like, I just wanted a cheap yoga. Yeah, mat. it's just like, like everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, or I've seen so many people with it tattooed on them and like necklaces. Oh yeah, and, yeah. tattoos are big. Yeah. And then another one that might not be as immediately recognizable, but you know, is still quite popular is the the evil eye. Um you can find them a lot as like stones or necklaces. Um I don't know if I've seen any tattoos of it, but you know, you can find them at a lot of like spiritual shops and all that supposedly to like ward off evil and all that again a little bit of the original culture and idea attached to it but sold for consumer interest and probably made and that's the thing about all of this though it's probably made by people that aren't of that spiritual belief system
if you've never seen the Eye of Providence before, I'll try to describe it to you. You've probably seen it though. It's it's in like Nicolas Cage National Treasure, uh, which is a great movie, and I will fight anybody who disagrees. Uh, as well as the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> um, but it's usually like the center of a lot of conspiracy theories. I think a little bit because of Nicolas Cage. Um, but it's the triangle with the eye in it. So it's usually like attached above a pyramid, like the top of a pyramid. So you see it in, um, it's on the American currency. I think, is it on just the, I think it's on all of the currencies. Um Yeah, so it appears on a ton of, like, Masonic buildings, as well as, like, on um, the U.S. $1 bill, and it kind of gives off, and, like, a lot of the reasons people find it, like, a big conspiracy theory is because it kind of gives off, like, Big Brother vibes, like, the eye is watching you. Mm. Yeah. And so, actually, it was originally a Christian symbol, and you can often find it in like renaissance paintings uh, and it was used to represent god um so uh based on this article that i found about it it said that it was invented as a sign of god's compassionate watchfulness over humanity um and now it's a conspiracy about the illuminati yeah i wouldn't get compassion from that eye on this little creepy look at it yeah a little but that is, it's definitely one of those things that uh, it's not necessarily that it's been co-opted because the intent, even by the usage of it, is still to its authentic meaning, but it's now been co-opted by conspiracy theorists. So, like, by their own interpretation, it's shifted. Um, so I think that's a whole different other thing where, like, even if your intent is pure because of other people's perception of it it gets changed and shifted around yeah that's a good point yeah uh, i think another one that is not i wouldn't it's hard because it's not like co-opted but it's the satanism symbol like the upside down cross mm, yeah and the whole point of the religion of satanism is to be a parody on christianity so of course they took and made a parody of the cross so i don't i don't know how like it's co-opted but like it's not i guess you know yeah i mean it's co-opted and changed specifically to change the meaning of the original symbol yeah And then if you've listened to our manifestation episode, we talked a little bit about theosophy. And the symbol for theosophy is uh, a combination of different symbols, kind of like the coexist one. Uh, The theosophy symbol combines a swastika, the pre-Hitler edition, the the Ohm symbol, the Star of David, a snake, and the Ankh which is an Egyptian symbol that signifies life. So that's just another example of one of these ways in which a bunch of different religious symbols have kind of been co-opted and joined together to create something with its own specific meaning, its own original meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think just like the coexist symbol, it pulls from these different symbols in 
uh, a pure intention way, right? So like, I don't think that the people who created these like joined symbols meant to co-opt a symbol and remove it from its authentic philosophy behind it. I think their goal is to embrace multiple philosophies and that's why they put it all together in this symbol. So like with coexist, the obvious thing is to try to make some sort of philosophical stance that every religion can coexist with one another. Um, But the theosophy symbol as well is kind of similar in the sense that they've taken these philosophies that the symbols represent and they've encompassed it into their own new age philosophy, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the biggest questions that I have had when talking about the idea of co-opting symbols is specifically with the symbols which have been negatively co-opted like you know the swastika is that symbol now salvageable like can it be used in its original um original context can it be recognized as it in its original context or is it kind of just you know for lack of a better word ruined now that's such a complex question just because i think in every situation it's different and for every single person it's different so again we go back to you know the swastika question right and i think especially in like the western world where we never saw it prior to it being associated with the nazis then it's really hard for you know us to ever see as in like you know western like white westerners um to ever see that symbol as anything different um especially for those that have traumatic links to it um because trauma works in very specific ways and it it is triggered by a lot of imagery for example and so that's such a challenging question because then it's a whole different experience for somebody who's grown up uh surrounded by hindu symbols and they see it all the time and for them it's it's a whole totally different thing right um you Mm -hmm. know and even just the fact that the only reason i can tell the difference between the hindu swastika and the Nazi swastika is because I study religion otherwise I probably wouldn't know um like I wouldn't know the nuances of like the slight shift like I just I don't think that's common knowledge um you know but then on the other side of that there's things like like the Norse mythology stuff with um like the white supremacist groups that one's a little bit more challenging because I think um those groups don't have as much of a reach and they don't possess, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm careful with my words here, they don't necessarily possess international trauma in the same way that the Nazi swastika did. That being said, they still possess trauma for people. Um, yeah. You know, so I think it's very, it's a very nuanced question because you know, then you turn to something like coexist and like that one kind of doesn't because it didn't pull and take anything away from its the original philosophies, I don't think it then has a lasting effect on any new interpretations, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like, for example, with Thor's hammer, um, I feel like maybe a while ago I wouldn't have originally, first of all, I probably wouldn't have recognized it as Thor's hammer, um, and I definitely wouldn't have associated it with white supremacy, but now that it's become a lot more, again, like you said, not to the same degree as the swastika, um, but now that it's become more associated uh, with white supremacy and, you know, brought into the limelight more in Western media. Now, if I did see somebody tattooed with Thor's hammer, I'd probably, you know, uh, be a little bit wary about the reasons for why they have that there. Like, are they, you know, just trying to connect with their, I guess, roots or are they trying to connect with their roots for a specific reason that is, you know, a bad reason? Or are they just a Marvel fan? Or are they just a Marvel fan, yeah. Well, not that's a whole other point, too. Um, you know, with the co-option of Thor as a Marvel superhero. Now, when people say Thor, I think Marvel superhero. I don't think a Norse god. You know? Yeah. Which. I know. When I hear Loki, I think I picture Tom Hiddleston. Like, I don't. Which isn't a bad thing. Of, like, it's nice Norse... to picture Tom Hiddleston. No, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, uh, it's such a complicated question because I think, uh, and I, okay, I use this to, like, I opt out of everything by using this answer. Um, but it's true, like, you can't put a blanket statement over everything. So, like, it's so hard to say, like, will we ever see a swastika and think of the Hindu philosophy rather than, you know, multi-generational trauma, genocide, war, etc. Um, and it, I don't know. I don't know if we will. I feel like, okay, I have like one maybe additional point to this. Um, and that's just the fact that I think uh, you can look to the idea of power imbalances to understand how co-option works as well. So um, when you look to when like a Christian cross gets co-opted, for example, I don't think that detracts from the meaning of the original, like like the original authentic symbol because Christianity has been at the forefront and has been the power religion. So when you see a cross, you think Christianity. And when you see a cross being co-opted, you think that person's co-opting the Christian cross, if that makes sense. Whereas again, yeah, like going back, I, I keep talking about the swastika because it's like the biggest example I can think of. But that, mm -hmm. like the Nazis held a lot of power. So that's why, like, when you see it now, you think of that rather than the Hindu swastika, you know? So I think that plays a lot into it. Yeah, like you said before, like, the original meaning and symbolism of the swastika isn't and wasn't easily recognizable to us in the West. So that was part of the reason that, you know, this extreme power could take could use their power and kind of change the symbolism across the world. Maybe not so much in its in the roots of where the swastika symbol comes from, 
because, you know, like we've talked a little bit about, it does hold its original meaning for a lot of people today. But yeah, I, that's a really good point about power imbalances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that even goes into like an individual level too, right? Because um, again, like for me, when I see like a Thor hammer tattooed on somebody, um, white supremacy obviously isn't traumatic for me because I am a white person. Um, however, yeah. if it is extremely traumatic for you, then you're going to have a different interpretation uh, and a different experience seeing that symbol than I would. You know, like I might see that and go, oh, look, yeah. Thor's hammer. And you might see that and go, oh, my gosh, look, a white supremacist. <laughs> so, you know, I think, it, yeah. yeah, I think that plays a lot more into it than than you'd think. Very good point. Well, thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Nearly Numinous. Uh, we know it was a little bit shorter of an episode, but we just kind of wanted to chat a little bit more broadly about religious symbols um, and not necessarily get into like the nitty gritty of the history of every single one of them. Uh, Because there's so many religious symbols that that would take us days. But we hope that you'll join us next week. We've got more fun stuff coming up. I think uh, next week we're talking about the 100. So uh, watch the first season. listening to this week's episode of Nearly Numinous. For full transcripts of every episode, check out nearlynuminous.ca. There you can also find links to subscribe to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Have a topic you'd like us to talk about, or would you like to be a guest on a future episode? Reach out to us at nearlynuminous at gmail.com. That's spelled N-E-A-R-L-Y-N-U-M-I-N-O-U-S at gmail.com. 